2: Hi guys. Mindot will never learn, Kenny. They will never ever learn. It was really bad. If that guy would have been bleeding, he would have bled yep. that out. They, that's them. Are we being too hard on
1: Mindot? No. No. My get, co- my column. No. Zolgad. No. Mindot moron. Roycey, we're being too hard on Mindot. <laughs> <laughs> starts me in and I starts you with them. Com. I mean
2: they're great guys. Ding ding. Down
0: the line, a base hit. Over to a double. Lamar scores, <laughs> Rosario on third. He will score. Maybe. <laughs> and the twins take a two-to-one lead on another double by Escobar. Lease to left center field. Down for a hit. Lamar will score. The ball gets by Bradley. And Maurer will score. Escobar to third base and the twins lead it four to two. I marvel at it. It's uh it's a uh, you know, it's a high number for the stage of the season that we're at, and unprecedented territory as far as Twins history. And really, um, I don't know if he can continue that type of toward pace, but um, I, I think it's just seeing a guy who's supremely confident and um, has begun to fill in some of the holes that held him back. Uh, we all knew that he could handle pitches down the zone and off-speed pitches, and. And now he's starting to be able to turn around some pretty good
1: velocity too. I don't know about that second double, which got which got over two. It was a single and then a two, a two base error to get to third base that scored two runs. That was the correct call. But it's like when an NBA superstar gets breathed on in the paint and uh, and gets the benefit of the doubt. That's Eduardo Escobar on any questionable error. <sighs> Is it a? Du- it's a double. It's just yep. a double No. because you're on pace for seventy of them. He's on pace to break the major league record for doubles this season.
2: Yes. Yeah, seventy-five. Yeah, that's absurd. He's on stage for seventy-five, but you—you're absolutely correct. Double number two was initially called correctly. It was a, a single and a two-base error, and it shouldn't have been changed. And an official scoring today in baseball drives me crazy because they basically cave to what the players want.
1: So, real quick, I have—I actually have a, a question for you about Eduardo Escobar. But in um, congratulations, he's having an amazing season. He should be an all-star and all those things. The official scoring aspect of of how that works Mm-hmm. Like isn't that isn't that sort of weird? So what? So Official score was it Stu last night? Not to. No, it was not. Whoever like you 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 rule it a you rule it a single. It, yep. And then the twins protests. Why don't you take another look at that? Um, if 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 Jackie Bradley Jr. would have fielded that ball, even though he has a howitzer for an arm that we saw a few minutes later. Yeah. The protest is well, no Escobar would have gotten to second base. More often than not,
2: like, how does that even work? Does MLB review that? MLB can. I think that the problem has become, so Joe Torre joined MLB a few years back, and I believe now he heads the office through which basically the protests of calls go through. Yeah. And they are more, I think, now apt to change things. So so that, that was initially ruled by the gentleman scoring last night as a single and two-base error. And like an hour plus after the game got done, they went back and changed it. But you're right. Jackie Bradley Jr. looks like he's attempting to field a bullet in center field. If he picks up the ball, though, like he should have, it's a single. So... Escobar's having a great year. It's a great story, but this is Major League Baseball. Field the ball like you should. Okay, it's a single.
1: I, but whatever. Like it's a. But it was a great game for Eduardo Escobar. I'm just asking about the process.
2: Yeah. For, well, the process is somebody. I'm you're sure. You're ripping somebody on said, Jackie
1: Bradley. The guy had.
2: He had a great throw, but he. <laughs> b- but he's hitting about a buck ninety, and he's having a bad that's year. Great. He had one great throw. So All he, right.
1: Here's my question for you: Has Eduardo Escobar surpassed Brian Dozier as either one of two things? The free agent you're most worried that I you're going to get nothing for, or the guy that could land you the most at the trade deadline? Uh, They're both going to be free agents at the end of the year. Uh,
2: both questions, yes and yes. Okay, absolutely, yes. He's been he's he's been great, and Do- uh, Dozier for the past 50 games has been has been poor, basically, which we've seen five different seasons. Yes, from him. and 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 so I think I think when when you try and shop Brian at some point here as the deadline approaches, you're going to try and tell a team, look, he always gets hot. But Escobar has surpassed Dozier on uh, from both ends. One is, if you take him to market right now, I, I think you could probably get more for the rest of this year uh, for him than you can for Dozier. And second of all, if I'm trying to decide, do I want to bring back Escobar or Dozier? To me, it's a no-brainer now. It's Escobar. I
1: agree. So Escobar is two years younger Escobar is. I think. I don't think he's necessarily as good at any defensive position as Dozier is at second. But he's more valuable defensively because he can play third. He can play short. He can play second. He, they put him in the outfield a couple years ago, right? Uh-huh. Uh, isn't he also their emergency catcher? I not that that will ever come he into might play. Might be, but yes. But he's he's, he's he more lots of places. He's more valuable defensively because you can put him at. He could, still, he could be a super utility guy who gets 550 plate appearances, or he could be a starter at third base. Uh, either way, he has, if you go back the, just the last two seasons, Escobar has a higher OPS than Brian Dozier by 20 points. And he's better in the clutch, because Brian Dozier is one of the worst clutch hitters. And actually, this is not hyperbole in Major League history. Uh, so I, I think... Whether you decide in a month from now, you know what? Uh, he's 29, and we got infielders coming up, and Royce Lewis will be here at some point in a year or two, and he's not part of the long-term plan. We're going to trade him. You could you could actually get something legitimate mm-hmm. for a guy that versatile. Um, you could get some if a team is just looking if a team's looking for a second baseman, a shortstop, or a third baseman, you could probably get a pretty significant prospect or two for him. But I would almost lean toward because he's 29. I would lean toward exploring some kind of a. I don't know, like a three-year contract say, extension. What, but what
2: does that that look like potentially? That contract? So do you think?
1: Here's the problem: if you go to him right now, this is the hottest he'll ever be in his right. entire life playing baseball. This would be a terrible time for the Twins to go to him because him and his agent would say, "Well, <laughs> hey, <laughs> we're free agents in three months. So if you want to, if you want me to sign right now and not explore my options when ten teams might come calling." Um, I don't know. It's a tough spot to be in because it's pretty likely that if you get to the end of the year and you make him the qualifying offer, he turns it down and now he hits the market. And a guy with that hitting ability, even if he cools off a little bit, and a guy who can play that many positions, there's a ton of teams that would love to have him. Uh, The Cubs won a World Series based off hitting and position flexibility, and he's the type of guy that fits in with almost every team in baseball. So letting him get to free agency drives his price up. Paying him while he's scorching hot. Drives his price up. Yep. So it's a good, I mean, obviously the best case scenario would be some of these other players snap out of it, come back healthy, and the Twins go on a run and they can get to the playoffs with him this season. But the fact that we're talking about him
2: in this light is pretty amazing compared to what we thought he was like four years ago. Yeah, and who, who would, would have possibly thought that going back into that would trade with the Sox a few years back, that this would be the guy that we would be discussing? It, that it would be because we thought to ourselves, okay, you traded Francisco, you got a pitcher back, this pitcher might be decent. He, of course, was not. And Eduardo Escobar, you're like, oh, okay. It's a utility infielder who will be here for about two years. You never would have thought that this would be the linchpin to that trade for the Twins, and he has been. And I think and you saw Terry
1: Ryan in the press box. Was he scouting for the Phillies or something last night? Um, And I don't even know if you asked him. Obviously, he saw something in Escobar. But if you asked him, is this going to be one of the better hitting infielders in baseball in about five years? I don't even think he would have said yes. You could make a strong case. This season with Josh Donaldson banged up and and getting older, you can make a really strong case. Eduardo Escobar is the second best third baseman in the American League. Jose Ramirez with the Indians is on a different planet. That guy has emerged the last two or three years. But I don't know if there's another like I would take Alex Bregman long term because the guy's what 23 years old or 22 years old. But as far as just this year the next 3 months how he's played you can take any third baseman in the American League you're going to take Jose Ramirez first if I could guarantee Josh Donaldson healthy and playing third base, I'd probably still take him. Yeah, but he hasn't been, your right? But, like, Matt Chapman might be in that conversation. I mean, Alex Bregman is going to be in that conversation, but Eduardo Escobar is, too. That's where we've gotten here with Eduardo Escobar, that he's the third baseman what? we're talking about, not Miguel Sano. So
2: what did you think last night when you saw that Chris Sale was going to be fit facing a lineup from the Twins that 5-9 um, through nine went Grossman, Adrianza, Mater, Garver, and Ryan Lamar? Yeah. I thought Carnage.
1: <laughs> and actually, it kind of was carnage for the guys that you expected it to be carnage for. But the Twins have Joe Maurer getting plunked by pitches and, and the Eds. So the, the Twins should have two All-Stars, right? They should have, Both Eds should be in the All-Star yes. game at this point. Yes. Um, so on, on Joe Maurer, I think I've seen this now too a few times, that he hasn't been hit by a pitch more than like a small handful of times in a season mm-hmm. ever. It's one of the biggest anomalies for a guy who's been in the league that long he just hasn't been hit by that many pitches hit twice last night yep uh, he told me one time when I covered that beat a few years ago I asked him who's are there any pitchers that you because you don't look uncomfortable ever at the plate you always look like you're in control and I said are there any pitchers that you actually get up there and you feel physically uncomfortable facing and he said instantly he said oh Chris sale because Chris sale if, is throwing a 100 miles an hour is like six foot seven or whatever and is throwing from sort of three d- quarters behind your head. That delivery is weird, yeah. And it feels like the ball is going to hit you, hit you, hit you, and then all of a sudden you have to, you know, it's coming across the plate. Yep. I think that's why he squared around. I don't think he's getting the bunt sign in that situation. I don't honestly think he just has a really hard time picking up the ball and making contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know, but... Interesting game last night for the Twins. I
2: just recall eight years back when when Joe went, went to bunt, I think it was against Cleveland at Target Field, we all were apoplectic, absolutely apoplectic. And Joe can now attempt a bunt, and we don't even flinch about it. We don't care anymore. We just say, we're hey, whatever, it. Joe. Do at what the time, we
1: still thought he was the MVP who hit 29 yes. bombs in five months. And now ding, we're past that. Ding.
0: Pass rush coming. And Rodgers, a perfect throw, and simply dropped by Martellus. Bennett, it would have been a first down, and Rodgers is hurt.
1: He took a big hit at the end of that play just as he got it out, and it looked like he might have landed on that right shoulder. That's Anthony Barr.
0: Mm. Shoulder, right elbow.
2: We play that clip because last night uh, at the end of the Kiss Cam feature at Target Field, we had a proposal. And the young man proposing to his gal was wearing an Anthony Barr jersey, (laughs) to which I tweeted. To which I tweeted right then. We just had a proposal. It came from a guy in an Anthony Barr jersey. She said yes. I have no words. (laughs) Now, for the first time ever, I ordinarily get tweets back in that case saying, "Yeah, it's you know, I don't know. I mean, twenty-eight thousand people or so there proposing on a big scoreboard is weird because we we always see the the. The one or two a year where I don't know that there is a rejection of the proposal, but there's definitely that look on the gal's face of, are you really doing this? Yeah, She can't say what she wants to say yeah. because
1: there's people staring at her and you don't want to dunk on your guy like in front of 20,000 yeah. people. And it's
2: embarrassing. Sure. So, so, but anyway, Heather tweeted me back. Immediately, I don't understand the seemingly collective dislike of proposals by beat writers. I get that they feel repetitive to you because you're at the ballpark all the time, but you get to be at the ballpark all the time. Most of those couples don't, and it feels special to each of them. Now, first of all, I'm not at the ballpark all the time. I'm there quite a bit. You're there more often than most people. That's fine. But second of all, yeah, Yeah. that's fine. But second of all, this was the first time that I, I actually got some people tweeting back, well, if people want to do this, it's... I still find it to be very uncomfortable that people propose on a giant jumbotron. I've just gotten to the point where I think it's hilarious. Uh, the Boof
1: Bonzer A's jersey guy is still the number one yeah, ranked yes. proposal failure. This is this is now five or six years ago, and he was attempting to from like the top row of the third deck in the outfield. You could see like you could see the sky, you know, like he's proposing trying to jam this ring on her limp finger as she stares a hole through the back of his head. Uh did the <laughs> was the soul, woman Was the woman receptive to the Anthony Barr jersey? I proposals? think she was. Yeah.
2: Okay. So I think it's gonna work out fine. For now. So you might say he I uh, think sacked the new spouse. Uh go right ahead, boys. I don't think you'd say that actually. Go right ahead. Dave, okay. what would you say,
0: Dave? I wouldn't say anything. I would say it's a great thing and it's not up to them to make you comfortable in the press box, Judd. I am. Listen. I love it.
1: Like everything revolves around you. It really does. does. Yeah, of course it does. I'm
0: uncomfortable watching your happy
1: moment. That's what you're saying. That sounds like a problem to flush out in therapy, actually.
2: Yes. Here, here's it's because you didn't have a real proposal. Here's the conclusion. <laughs> That's true. Here's the conclusion I came to. I came to the conclusion that if guy has alerted girlfriend to what he's going to do, and they're both like, this is going to be great, then it's fine. It's always the uncomfortable guy who thinks, well, this will work for sure. She likes baseball enough, or I love baseball. This is going to be a good idea. And then as you you said Phil you get that moment where she stares through your soul as if to say this is the worst idea of all time i think if you're on the same page i think if you've if you've tipped it off to what your plan is then it's fine it's when you think it's going to be this great surprise and she's like are you serious?
1: This is also coming from a guy who bought his wife a ring and then told her not to wear it to a party that
2: night because I was he didn't want to be asked questions I was about it. Years, I was 21 years old. Leave me alone. I was 21. I'm 48 now. It would be much different. You were embarrassed. Why it were would you be embarrassed? Much different. It would be much different. You were embarrassed to show off Well, because I was going to have to answer all the questions about it and I didn't want to and it was New, new Year's Eve. I mean, it's a law. Lo- it's There was a lot to it. I was young, though. I was young. I was dumb. I was dumb. I My God, to have there, to but for the grace questions. of God, go I could have proposed on a stadium scoreboard, and now I would be looking at myself like you, dummy. If they
1: had, so they had the jumbotrons at the Metrodome in the early nineties. I was but they on were very, like, with mini Dawn. jumbotrons. It was but fantastic. nobody proposed on those things. No, I don't think.
2: no, no. I think proposal cam uh, came along because I know I, I did a story, a day in the life at Target Field for the Star Tribune in like 2010, and I did a story. Uh, from the scoreboard about how they operate it and w- when they show replays and when they don't, yeah. and at that time I believe it cost a hundred or, or hundred fifty bucks if you were going to propose. So you called the Twins, wow. you sent them a check, you paid for it, and then they would say, "Okay, you know, give us your seat location," and so it would it would actually cost you. But Don and I were on the uh, scoreboard at the Metrodome one time early '90s, black and white. But the worst part is. We had been fighting before then. Black and white. I don't think it was Third black been, and white. Yeah. Black and white. Left field scoreboard was black and white. It was black and white back the in the day. The jumbotrons or the scoreboard? The the scoreboard jumbotron was, was like, a, it was not full color. Okay. In like ninety. Because as a kid, I remember it being color for sure. Like... This was very great. Get into the right. okay, okay, In like ninety-one. Okay, okay so so we <laughs> so we are having a disagreement during the course of this baseball game. Did the fight start before the game? I don't remember. Or did you I have a, a couple kid. too many
0: by the third inning? And no, you, you no, 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 no,
2: no. Don't think this was anything to do with drinking. I think this was a totally sober, dis, simple disagreement. Not a huge deal, too. But anyway, <laughs> to it, it was enough to where you're sitting there, arms crossed, like this is <laughs> this just sucks. And I look up, and, and oh my God, we're on the scoreboard. Wow. So here you've got these two at the time kids Did on you the guys scoreboard. Kiss? No, he just sat. There. No, and by the way, kiss cam can die right now. Kiss cam proposal cam. <laughs> I'll talk about kiss cam has to die. God, I love how you hate fun. No, no, no. Kiss cam has run its course. Come on, please. You know how much it's run it, its how course. much
1: different this show would be if instead of segments like these, if we had ten minute segments where Judge just raved about the things that he loved. And it wasn't North
2: Stars or bullpen. Mm-hmm. You know what I loved last night? You know what I loved last night? I love the fact that for, for the first portion of that baseball game, I thought I was going to see something in baseball I had never seen and actually want to see a perfect game. I thought Chris Sale had the stuff. I stop. thought you were going to say a woman punching a man a in no-hitter. an Anthony Barr jersey. Well, that would have been fine, too. But I, thought, <laughs> I put the
1: ring on, by the way, first to do a little extra damage. Put that ring on, oh, I and, like what and you're then saying. wind up and deliver the punch. I like what you're saying. Yeah, kiss cam should just die. Go away. <laughs> Sick of it. <laughs> this uh, opening bell has been brought to you by Judd's Angst, by Judd there's Zulgad. A, there's a lot there to unpack. Morality police. It's 48 I'm you, years. I'm with you on the anti-proposal uh, thing, though, mostly. It's, just not, it's not because it bothers me. I just think for the woman's sake, this is a very special moment, okay? And unless you think she envisioned it happening in the third deck of a midweek baseball game when two teams are dragging through the dog days of summer and, yeah. and your man has an Anthony Barr jersey on with cargo shorts and mandles and socks. That's where I
2: come from. I, you know what? I do think if it's worked out and you're on the same page, it's absolutely fine. Then I'll back <laughs> off then if it's worked out, but don't surprise her guys. Uh, should the
1: Minnesota wild be in on a star player in his prime who Appears to be on the trade market. Let's talk about that when we come back. Lindsey Whalen in about 45 minutes. Dan Hayes on Twins. Let's talk about Chris Lindahl Real Estate here for a brief moment. They made the big announcement a few weeks ago. It's the same team, the same relentless push to bring a fresh approach to the industry, and the same generous spirit of giving back to the community. But now Chris Lindahl and his team have full ownership of their innovation path. It's called Innovation Independence as Chris is coining it. It's now Chris Lindall Real Estate. They've planted their flag as Minnesota's hometown independent real estate team. I worked with Chris and his team for the sale of my condo about a year and a half ago. Honestly, it was it hit the market, they helped me stage it, they helped me go through all the necessary uh, checklist items, and then they tapped in to an exclusive group of targeted home buyers. We had an open house. It went on the market at noon on a Saturday. Full price to offer within three hours. I was shocked. I thought for sure this is going to be on the market maybe for a few weeks. What if it's on the market for a couple months? You will find the same experience.
0: Attention, radio alert. Mackie and Judd now
1: continue on fifteen hundred ESPN.
0: Panera's got it for the Blue Jackets. Down the left, swinging across the line. Panera trying to cut in, score.
2: Hmm. How would that highlight sound, like sound
1: from the XL Energy Center.
2: Well, play it again and possibly a little ode to joy behind it, and we can decide how it would sound to Mackie and Judd.
0: Ruckless speculation. Panarin's got it for the Blue Jackets. Down the left wing and across the line. Panarin trying to cut in. Scores! Game winner in overtime! Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, there can, it is. I can listen to this. Yeah. I can buy into this idea.
1: Well, the news came out here. That Artemi Panarin, who you might remember originally, uh, the Blackhawks plucked him from the KHL when he was like 22 or 23 yep. years old. He was, he was undrafted, flew under the radar, uh, became a big-time goal scorer in the KHL, and then the Blackhawks started purging contracts and players. He's been with the Blue Jackets the last couple of years. He's 26 years old. He, be, he can become an unrestricted free agent after this upcoming season. He's $6 million cap hit for this year. He'll probably get more in free agency. Right but he has told the blue jackets according to reports that he doesn't want to sign a contract extension he's not ready to discuss a contract extension mm-hmm. right now and so sportsnet is saying the ja- the blue jackets are testing the market trade talks because they're well okay if you don't want to sign an extension we don't want you to just walk away and and go somewhere else so um what are your thoughts on this should the wild pursue one of the i'm not going to say top stars but like a, a really solid second-tier, borderline, top-tier
2: star forward. And so he, he's a left-winger, and you, you already have on your depth chart left-wing uh, Jordan Greenway, Zach Preezy, and Jason Zucker, assuming that you don't move Zucker here. um, And my answer to that is absolutely you pursue him. Absolutely you go out and find at least what you would have to give up. I would start a package with Granlin for sure. Um, But this is a guy, so he's scored... 30 goals in his first year with the Blackhawks, 31 for Chicago, and then got traded and scored a 27 last year for Columbus and had a career-high 82 points. But this is where Paul Fenton, to me, is in a very interesting and advantageous position. He's going to have a lot of teams now come to him and say, we we know you're going to trade guys, Paul. And and I'm sure they'll try and, and fleece him at first, which is fine, but... If you're fenton, what you can do now is you're in a predicament that you are never going to be in again. And, and you have, you do have the advantage of patience here, which is to say there's a lot of guys here that I can potentially move. They're not my guys. This isn't my roster. The expectation is for, is for me to make some moves and to turn the roster over a bit. But that being said, there's no immediate pressure to do that because I'm new here. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you get a guy like this who comes available, you owe it to your franchise to at least explore it, talk about it. And the nice thing is you are dealing from a position of potentially offering guys who you're not attached to. So so recklessly, 1,000%, I'm in to at least see what, what, what the Jackets would want. The only issue with Columbus is is they don't fall under the list of uh of guys who have a moron for a gm so they're going to drive a good bargain here which
1: teams this is, which teams have morons for gms
2: edmonton okay. complete idiot
1: and so why, oh, montreal so edmonton their two top players who are, are under the age of 22 23 those guys are signed to two of the most lucrative contracts in the nhl i'm wondering just for fun like edmonton they would never trade Connor McDavid. No, would they, would they, not. Would they trade Drysdale because they don't want two 12 million dollar contracts on their books? I don't think so, but I'm not sure. And Montreal. Like how can you win with two
2: and tw- a sal- what's the salary cap? 70 million? It's actually going to go up. By how much? It's actually going to go up. Ho- hold on a second. I've got it right here. It was it was 75 million this past year. Okay. It's going to go up and this is this is What's so sad? For the, for this league a significant increase, it's going to go up to between 79 and 80. Okay. Which That's would be the player. highest single season salary cap jump in the National Hockey League since 2013-14. <laughs> okay. So you're going to get some space.
1: All right. I'm just wondering if you're looking cause you have to make a decision here if you're the Wild, right? You have to make do you want to make a couple moves that can help you tweak to win now or do you want to go back on what you likely told Craig Leopold? who said, I'm not going to hire a GM who wants to rebuild. But if you thought you could get something for Eric Stahl or get you know if you, or get one of your no-move clause guys to, to wave a no-move clause, Koivu or somebody. But this is where, on the Panarin discussion, for me, I'd want to know, are you around for a contract extension or are you a hired gun for one year? Because I, I would be interested in either path. Obviously, if, if you're just trading for one year of Panarin, you're not going to give up as much. But he's 26 years old. He's a 30-goal scorer, a guy who's 75, 80 points per season the last few years. Mm -hmm. If you could be reassured or even just flat-out guaranteed by him signing on a dotted line that he's going to be around for like four or five years through the rest of his prime, you could sort of kill two birds with one stone, right? You could build for the next three to five years with a guy who's really good in his prime, and you'd be tweaking your roster for an upcoming playoff run this season Mm -hmm. depending on how much you'd have to trade to get him.
2: Yeah, and I, I saw a report basically saying that the, the going rate for him when he does sign an extension is pro- probably going to be eight years, which is now the max, uh, eight years at $9 million per. Jeez. So that's a lot. He'd be the highest paid player on the team, yeah. If I'm Fenton, though, if a guy like this becomes available, I'm at least exploring it aggressively mm-hmm. because, because I go back to the fact that you are not attached to players. You know – any GM who comes in and starts to draft or trade for players gets somewhat of an attachment to some of those players. The freedom that Fenton has right now is there's none of that there. And if you go to Columbus and Columbus is like, you know what? Yeah, we like coil and this and that. Yeah. You might very well say, take them. Great. Um, but my sense about what. What Fenton is going to do is, I don't think he's going to trade for for a rental. I think he's probably going to, if, if he got Panarin, want to sign him long-term. Eight years is aggressive. That's The the lesson learned, I think, by this franchise, too, is pretty simple. The lesson learned is, in the case, certainly, of the Parisi and Suter contracts, goes back to, to what we've talked about a thousand times on baseball, Phil. It's term. And age it's yeah, age terminate age. age first yeah but it's those two things it's not I'll, uh, I'll pay you a ton for a short term but if i'm going to be tied in, into a no trade again with a long term and you are 28 29 mm-hmm. i get concerned
1: well let's and let's see let's use a couple examples here so mcdavid and drysdale They signed, didn't they sign longer term, or are they on eight-year deals? I suppose they're on eight-year deals, right?
2: I can find that right here.
1: Um, I thought they were on long. I thought they might have signed, no, because that rule came into effect about five years ago, and those guys would have been high school age at that time. But they're not on, yes. But those guys are signed for $12 million a year Mm -hmm. through like their early 30s, which the debate there would be, is that too much money per year in a salary cap league, and it hampers the rest of your roster building? The question isn't oh are those bad contracts like for those players those players are still going to be really good when they're 30 years old it's just what else, what else can you do with the roster for Parisian Suter you're going to be paying and it's and, and those guys are like the 18th and 20th highest paid players in the league so they're no they're no longer you know up in the rafters in terms of average annual value the problem is you're paying those guys when they're 40 and, absolutely, and, yeah. and it's hamstringing your roster construction. So, it's, absolutely, so age factors in, and length of contract. Nick factors David in. is uh,
2: signed an eight-year deal. He is uh, currently 21 years of age, and the contract expires. But the last year of the eight-year deal is 2025-26. Uh, yeah. But a Panarin contract, if he signs it, and well, he, it would
1: start when he's 27 years old. If it's an eight-year deal, it takes him through 35. That's a little bit aggressive. It's, it, to me. Like age 33, 34, 35 is going to be a problem. But at least you'd right. be getting five. You would think, unless there's an injury or some drop-off, you'd be getting five really good years. Let's Okay, I have another question on this for you. And I want to know, think about this during the break. What would you offer if it was Judd Zolgad in the front office and Panarin just becomes available here and you're on the phone with the Blue Jackets? What would your official offer be? And the Wild has an advantage in situations like these that the Vikings don't have, that the Timberwolves for sure don't have, and I would say uh, the Twins too. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio.
0: Mackey and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Just have to make a little time to do it. On 1500 ESPN. Dennis. Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You go low, I'll go high. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Panarin's got it for the Blue Jackets. Down the left wing and across the line. Panarin trying to cut in. Scores! Game winner in overtime. What a goal by
1: Panera! All right, GM Judd. Breadman. Love the breadman.
0: Ruckless. Speculation.
1: All right, what would GM Judd do? He's on the phone with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who've yep. been told by one of the brighter, youngish stars, 26 isn't that young in the NHL, but Artemi Panarin has been a really good player for a few years now, and he has told the Blue Jackets, I don't want to sign an extension right now. Uh-huh. He has one year left in his contract. My ears would perk up if I'm in that wild front office. Oh, we're looking to make some tweaks to our roster, and here's a really good player. (laughs) Here's a major tweak we can make. Yes, so what would you offer in that phone conversation?
2: Uh, i start any offer uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets with uh, Granlund. I think Grandland, I Grandland's the, the type, same age, right? Yeah, and Gra- and Grandland is the type of player that I think a lot of teams are going to be like if we got him, it, it would be different and he would consistently be great because when Grandland's good, he is fantastic. I mean, he's mm-hmm. unbelievably skilled. Uh so and, and I'm pretty convinced that he is definitely not a playoff player. So so the tighter games get the less he becomes a a useful consistent player. Do we know if He'll Panarin is a playoff player?
1: I mean, let the, let Col- me see. I can Columbus has gotten bounced in the first round the last couple of years. No, but he
2: played years. for the Blackhawks for two years before that, and uh, and I believe he was on their teams that had playoff runs, so I could find that, that out.
1: But I, I, While you look that up, I can definitely see why he wants out, because Columbus is kind of a disaster franchise. I know they've been to the playoffs the last couple of years, but they've never won a playoff series. They came in at the same time as the Wild. They've never won a playoff series. Only four playoff appearances in 18 years. Uh, they're They're also, in terms of just... Arena vibe and yeah. hockey community—they're always bottom five, bottom eight in attendance. And so, if I'm him and I'm looking around, saying, "All right, I, I'm probably only going to get one big contract.
2: I don't know if I want to do it in Columbus, Ohio, for the next almost decade." I believe if I, you, I believe if you look, the Blue Jackets' last two regular seasons have been pretty good, but he, here's the problem: Torchetti coaches them, and he is a complete raving lunatic. So. Or Tortorelli. So he is, I think he's the type of guy, very, very Tibbs-like. Tortorelli's very Tibbs-like. Okay, so you'd offer Granlund. So I would offer Granlund, and uh, just to go back on uh, uh, Artemi's postseason, 2015-16, played in seven games for the Blackhawks in the playoffs, had seven points, including two goals. Uh, 2016-17, it was only four games and an assist. But last year in Columbus, 2017-18 playoffs, six games, two mm-hmm. goals, five assists. So the gamble, so good. if you, cause I, I think you, you wouldn't just be able to call and say, we'll give you a first round draft
1: pick. Well, there's a bunch of teams that would give up a first round draft pick and more for a guy like Panarin. The gamble would be if you traded, and and they're both in their mid-twenties, if you traded Mikhail Granlin for Artemi Panarin, you, you'd essentially be gambling that, that Granlin's not going to get better that this is kind of this is what it is. He's not going to get better in this setting. And this guy's better. And that okay, just flat out he's better. I agree right I now. I think he's just yeah. a better player. And I and maybe maybe I'm guilty of getting hung up on what Grandland could be and what like when, when we see him at his best. But I think that's a but fair Panarin thing. Panarin has sort of been playing at cuz Panarin is a distributor and a goal scorer. Grandland is mostly a distributor who sometimes will score goals in spurts but never to the same level as Panarin.
2: And and I think what we've seen certainly in the last two years in the playoffs with the, the Wild going out in the first round both times is Granlund, and he was hurt two years ago, but he also sort of disappears now. So I think in this case, you're, you're talking about an upgrade. So I start with Grandland. Uh I certainly include probably a first-round draft pick. Um, the the other player that I'd be curious about too, and I think they're going to take him to market, and I and he's a pretty solid good player, but I would trade him now is Brodeen. Now I'm not I'm not saying that I would include all of those things in a trade with Columbus. Like if you could trade Brodein for Panarin
1: and keep Granlund, don't but, you think that'd be ideal?
2: And I would definitely be I I would definitely be in, interested in in if a team I would probably put both those players on the table, but not offer them in the same package, mm-hmm. and say if you want a defenseman. This guy's good. The only the only thing to go back on Fenton, though, is, is my guess is the one thing he's thinking is, if I'm going to make a major tweak like this, uh, center is a position of need here. Yeah, And this is a left wing. So I do wonder if he would probably withhold his best uh, trade assets for a potential trade for a center as opposed to a wing. But yeah. this is still this is still worth calling about. Yeah,
1: when something like this pops open and you're looking to shuffle your now, roster and, and have a new
2: GM, this is very interesting. Now, let me tell you where opportunity was lost here.
0: Reckless speculation.
2: Uh, Collar and I discussed this on Saturday. This t- this trade took place on Friday. And this is where you have to take advantage to that small of that small group of GMs who are idiots. <laughs> Okay, I love that. The, but I mean, this, I love that the NHL is like a fantasy
1: league. football league where all right, we got twelve guys and those my two college buddies over here. They just used to a be in baseball,
2: but they used to be in baseball. They're just gone now. Yeah, baseball got smart.
1: I mean, the Twins actually fell prey to some smart GMs a couple times.
2: Yeah. in dealings. So, so this is something that that used to be way more commonplace in sports, which is offseason trades made by anxious GMs who aren't that smart, and hockey still has a few. Montreal and Arizona Friday night. Alex Galchenyuk, who is a center who was moved to wing by by the Canadians, traded for Max Domi, who is Ty's son, and so he's got a name. Max Domi last year, just to give you an idea, is this the case for why Montreal has a bad GM? This is, but this is the type of trade. If you're Fenton, you've got to be on the horn to Edmonton to Montreal saying, "Let's make deals." Yeah. No, no, let's make deals right now. Max Domi played in every game for the Coyotes in 2017-18 and accumulated 9 goals, 36 assists. Right. We although we we saw how that
1: worked out if you pick the right players how it can work out sure. for Las Vegas for instance.
2: Sure it can, but Galchenyuk also played in every game for the Habs in 2017-18. He had 19 goals, 51 points. He did not have a good year. But he is a guy who Montreal has decided, he is a center who Montreal has decided can't play there, and so they bailed. I think the Coyotes have already said that they're going to move him back to that position. It's a great gamble of a trade. If it works, because that is the position among them that is so hard to find. So these are the type of trades that if you're Paul Fenton, you try and make. Yeah. You desperately try and make, because if you can trade a guy who you deem on your on your roster to be okay but not great and a team has soured on a player who is actually still potentially pretty damn good, mm-hmm. this is this is the opportunity that presents itself in hockey that probably does not, in sports like baseball and basketball, that much now.
1: Yeah, that's, If at all. That's interesting. Uh, well, another advantage that the Wild has that for sure the Twins and the Wolves don't have, Vikings could, could go either way. I don't think this is much of an issue in football, but hockey players seem to actually view Minnesota as a worthwhile destination to play and live. If you go around the NBA and say, all right, uh, Kevin Durant, you're a free agent. How do you feel about the Twin Cities? He'd be like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know I lived in Oklahoma City for a while, but at least I don't have to you know, wear nine layers to walk outside in the middle of the NBA season. In baseball, a lot of these players are from Dominican Republic. They're from Venezuela. They're from Puerto Rico. They're from warm weather climates, or they played college baseball in, in Southern SEC Pac-12 schools. Mm-hmm. And so not that they would ever you know, refuse to sign with the twins, but weather plays a role and climate plays a role. And the NHL, free agents and trade candidates like Panarins from from the Soviet Union. A lot of these guys are from Russia, they're from Canada. They're from Finland. They played college hockey in Minnesota, in Boston. Yeah. And and in fact you'd be you'd be upgrading weather-wise from some of these places when you go to the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. So a built-in advantage for the Wild is that you don't have to sort of cower in fear when you say, oh, yeah, you want to come to Minnesota and play? I mean, there's seven teams in Canada or whatever, six teams in Canada uh, that are smaller. Well, Toronto's a great city, but um, it's just a much more appealing destination. So you don't have to be worried about, let's trade for Panarin and then hope to God that he's okay playing in Minnesota. (laughs) He would guys from Russia. It's not a problem here.
2: Yes. Well, so, guys like it here cuz they they also I mean, ho- hockey players talk about things like how's the ice there? For the, sure. The excess good ice. Okay, I exactly, want to play yeah. there. Yeah. You so, can no, stumble still, into a lake It's if you a want, different yeah. sport. It's it's completely different and and you've got guys who are from here who tell players it's great here. Yeah, I mean this this is in some ways for not not all players, but a lot a destination mm-hmm. type of place and it, That's where, to go back to what I said before, that's where if you're Fenton, you have a huge advantage right now, which is the patience of saying, I can make any deal I want, I've got a roster full of guys I'm not attached to, and I've got a lot of players who probably see this as attractive, which is where, where the Parisi and contracts become a problem again, especially mm-hmm. when the cap didn't go up. Because you, you had guys who would have signed here in a heartbeat, probably, that you couldn't afford. Yeah. Because that's the one problem. You yeah. can't afford them.
1: Like, if the Twins had a conversation with Manny Machado's representatives in the offseason, the first thing would be money. Okay, well, who's going to offer $300 million or $250 million or whatever it is? And even if the Twins were splashing around financially, which, because it's not a salary cap league... If you just have 400 million dollars in TV revenue coming in, you're going to be able to put more chips on the poker table for big free agents. But uh, that's where that's another advantage in the NHL. It's Phoenix and Toronto and New York are all playing with the same essentially with the same pool of money. Um, they're all it's, all it's a 75 million dollar cap, and all of them are spending a certain percentage of, of that cap. And so, there's not any built in disadvantages. You can trade for guys and you can sign guys, and they don't mind playing in Minnesota, and you're going to be able to pay them the same money as a New York team
2: or the Los Angeles Kings would. So, just, unless, you, unless you're out of cap space, obviously. Just right. Don't, don't sign guys to bad contracts. And just as importantly, don't give out no move, no trade clauses, and you're fine. Yeah. If you do that, your problem is you're strapped. It's funny if you look at the top like
1: 20 highest paid players in the NHL. Seventy-five percent of them have no move clauses it's, of some kind.
2: They're giving so out. Not like only candy. are you
1: stuck with these contracts that you've agreed to, by the way, so it's, right. it's on you too. Uh, you can't move them in three years if you just want to take your franchise in a different direction.
2: Yes, and but but the the frustrating thing about that is history will show you that guys start to drop off at what thirty three ish or so. Actually, it's probably more like thirty or thirty one well, for a lot of players. In and the a lot NHL. of those guys are
1: signed right through those years. Mm-hmm. In fact, peak. I mean, Collar's done articles on this because he writes, he writes about the NHL for ESPN.com, peak, the peak age curve for hockey is a lot younger than most other sports. Like in the NBA, you, you start to peak when you're 26, 27, maybe through 30, 31. LeBron's 33. Uh, baseball, speed declines throughout your 20s. But as far as being a hitter or pitcher, oftentimes it might be 27, 30 years old. And the NHL, your biggest goal sc- scoring years might be 22, 23, 25. And then by the time you're 29, 30, 31 yes. years old, but contracts are still being doled out by a lot of these teams as if 29 through 34 are
2: prime years, and, and that's not where hockey needs to get smarter. Yes, it's not that hard. Don't reward the football used to do this all, all the time and does it now. Don't reward people for past good deeds. True. You Don't. might
1: you might feel like like for the Twins, Eduardo Escobar. Yeah. Oh man, we're gonna reward you for how many doubles you had you got to pay him based on what you think he's going to do in the next three to five years. Absolutely. Uh, 615 Lindsay Whalen in 15 minutes. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages.
0: That is good news. On 1500 ESPN. This is where
2: the magic
0: starts. Mackie and Judd now continue. Showtime. On 1500 ESPN this Friday afternoon with Garage Logic GLB broadcasting live this Friday, one to three, from Mogueras at the Fair for the 45th annual MSRA Back to the 50s, voted USA Today's best car show of 2017. Back to the 50s will feature over 10,000 street rods and custom cars, live music, hundreds of vendors, and more. Details are at 1500ESPN.com keyword events.
2: I wanna mock, mock. I want
0: to mock
1: Oh, this is a good one here, gentlemen. This is from ESPN.com and it's not just an ordinary NBA mock draft. No, uh, no, 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 no. What is it? This is Yeah. Get trades? The ultimate grade A mock draft. Ultimate! The best slash perfect picks every team could make USDA choice
2: mock draft wait wait what's the (laughs) difference between that and a mock draft where you're trying to hit on the best perfect picks I don't know I just stop asking questions (laughs) the be on a roll mock draft because
1: the perfect mock draft would be if DeAndre Ayton fell to every spot in the draft right Yes. oh look DeAndre Ayton fell to 20 that's great we get this monster seven footer on our team can't believe he's still there outside the lottery but this would be, if the draft goes according to how ESPN insiders see it, this is what it would look like, all right? So DeAndre Ayton would go number one to the Suns. There's there's another component to this that I will reveal in a second here. This, this is, is a multifaceted mock draft. Uh, Luka Doncic will go number two to the Kings. Jaron Jackson Jr., say that five times fast. Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr., Jaron Jackson Jr., no, okay. To the Hawks at three. All right. Uh, Muhammad Bamba to the Grizzlies Marvin Bagley III to the Mavericks Michael Porter Jr. to the Magic Wendell Carter Jr. and let's go down to the Timberwolves at number 20 according to the grade A mock draft on ESPN.com they will select guard out of Maryland Kevin Herter but I that's not all
0: Mark! Mark! I want to mock mock
1: but here's the best part okay yep they have player ratings for each player, current player ratings, and potential player ratings. So, for instance, Kevin Herter. These are like Madden ratings for each attribute, okay?
2: My head's going to blow up.
1: No, stick with me here. Oh, you're losing so this me. Is on a, Brilliant. I'm flatlining. On a 1 to 100 scale, 100 being perfect, and then you know other numbers beneath 100, he would be a 78 as a shooter currently which Good, is his best right. attribute, okay? Yeah. Finishing is his second best attribute. That's a 75. Let's stick with shooting, though, because the Wolves need shooting. So he's a 78 out of 100 shooter right now. I don't know what that means in terms of, like, how many threes he could make, but the potential player rating as a shooter is 94, Ooh. which means he could potentially be one of the best shooters in the NBA. I
2: would like clarification, how though. How exciting
0: is that? Want Come on, on. Ah, That's amazing. On. Anymore. Anymore than he is. I what? Want.
2: I want clarification if that does mean three-point shooting or that just means he's going to pull up and take a long two and he's real, and he's going to be good at that someday. Well, I would think, I got, I would think if he's
1: got a 94 rating out of 100 as a shooter that he would be able to shoot from anywhere and would choose to shoot from beyond the three-point line. Be careful about assumptions. Unless he has a coach that tells him not to. Be careful. I don't know. Um, wait, we, our mock draft sources are, hold on a second here, breaking mock draft news. We have another one. I want
2: a mock! Mock! One,
0: two,
1: mock uh, uh, And this one is from DraftSite.com?
0: Yes, DraftSite.com. Wow. The ultimate, the
1: original, full-round mock draft site. What, what should we call it? We should build a new mock draft site. What should what should we call it? How about, is DraftSite.com available? The like, original, full-round <laughs> mock draft uh, site. I can't wait to hear this one. All you
0: right. want to talk NBA boys? I go to draftsite.com. DeAndre Ayton goes one. Luka Doncic goes two. We go Marv Bagley the third. Uh, he goes three to Atlanta, Mo Bamba. Then you get Jaron Jackson Jr., Trey Young, Wendell Carter. Let's go down to our Timberwolves. Oh, I see a name that's very familiar around these parts. Shooting guard, Duke, Gary Trent Jr. goes 20th to the (sighs) Wolves. One, two, mark, mark,
2: yes. Following in the yes. footsteps of his old man. That's exactly oh, right. I love this.
0: But that's only the first round, right? <laughs> We've got more rounds. Let's create the music back
1: up.
2: <laughs> they probably got seven <laughs> rounds despite the fact the draft only goes two.
0: No, no, they are straight
1: straight to the point. Well, Did you know the Gary Trent Jr.'s potential as a shooter, according to the grade A mock draft, is 98? Whoa! That means he would just never miss a shot? Well, he is a shooting guard. I mean, yeah. Uh, number
0: 48 overall. Oh. That would be the second round pick for your Minnesota Timberwolves. He's out of Kentucky. He's a power forward. But you wouldn't know he's out of Kentucky because it's Jared Vanderbilt. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. This guy spent a lot of time in the weight room. You can tell he is Vanderbilt. Oh. we have...
2: Wow. Uh, wow. wow.
1: Dude, <laughs> Let that just sit there. I was hoping for Bob Auburn in the second round personally, but that's fine.
2: Do we have grades, potential grades on this young man? Oh, I what,
1: feel like I need those what, what was his name? I only have the first round. Vanderbilt. Jared. No.
0: J-A-R-R-E-D. Vanderbilt.
1: No. I, I only like. have the, I only ha- like, I have, like I've got DiVincenzo. You want DiVincenzo? Yeah, because I saw the ESPN mock draft that they did a couple nights ago that I actually watched. They had him taken. him. Oh my God. You know that his best attribute, according to the Great A mock draft, potential rankings, his best attribute, it's great. perimeter defense. Yes. first. Oh, is for yes. sure going to be a Timberwolf. Let's oh, get a of in somebody's read this face. <laughs> Speaking of perimeter defense, Lindsay Whalen will join the show when we come back. The Mackey and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Happy? Yeah, happy. On 1500
0: ESPN.